Supreme Court accepts lawsuit about the 2020 presidential election. It's all on the special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 291 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Monday, November 28th, 2022. Now, just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccine. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, now, I suppose you're wondering, okay, wait a minute, Doc, what do you mean the Supreme Court has accepted a lawsuit about the 2020 election? Uh, Doc, are you imagining this? Doc, if this is true, why haven't I heard about it? Well, I don't know why you haven't heard about it other than the fact that the basis of the lawsuit is so explosive that the mainstream media probably doesn't want to tell you about it. And conservative media probably doesn't want to tell you about it. A friend of mine sent me an article about it, and I started looking around at various different reports on it, and I confirmed that it is true. And the article, I think, that explains it the best is from someone named Jennifer Brown over on Substack. Uh, her Substack is called Holding the Line with Dr. Fun Times. Yeah, that sounds nice. So it's docbrown77.substack.com. That's docbrown77.substack.com. And one of the reasons I found out that this is a true story is that she links to the PDF of the Supreme Court accepting the case. All right? Supreme Court, U.S. filed October 20, 2022, Office of the Clerk. They've got the stamp on the lawsuit. And the lawsuit is a petition for a writ of certiorari. Now, we'll, we'll explain that, but it's only 18 pages. And I read the whole thing. And I read Jennifer Brown's article on it, and now I want to share it with you because this is my duty. If the Supreme Court of the United States of America has accepted a case that is this explosive, I believe it's journalistic malpractice that everyone is ignoring this. And I'm not trying to get your hopes up. I'm not trying to get my hopes up. And this is one of those we report, you decide situations. But I have to at least explain to you what this is all about, okay? Article is entitled, Interesting SCOTUS Case. It's the docket. Brunson versus Adams et al. We have never seen anything like this before. Boy, ain't that the truth. And she says, have you heard of Brunson versus Adams et al.? And then she has the link to the PDF with a stamp from the Supreme Court accepting this. 
She says, is above is the link to the 18-page filing. I have never seen anything like this before. Okay, the history behind this case. Two brothers, Loy Brunson and Rayland Brunson, both filed a court case in Utah. Loy's case is still pending in Utah, but Rayland's case has now made it to the Supreme Court docket. As most of you probably know, getting a case docketed with SCOTUS while it is still undecided in the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals is odd. How did it get here? Their case hinges on constitutional amendment violations of the right to due process. When an election has concerns of fraud, Constitution allows for a 10-day investigation to look at the potential fraud questions and determine if fraud did or did not occur. This case is not one of election fraud. It is about Congress, the House, and the Senate not doing their oath of office and violating the First Amendment to the Constitution, violating Article 6 of the Constitution, violating the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, Section 3, violating the 5th and the 9th Amendments of the U.S. Constitution, as well as a couple of articles of the Utah State Constitution. Most pertain to due process, the right to investigation and not performing the 10-day investigation when questions of election fraud were presented to Congress. It began in the state of Utah, then transferred to federal court when there were originally three defendants listed, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, as well as Nancy Pelosi, and then 381 other defendants and over 100 Jane or John Doe's to the defendant list. All of them are federal government members that are named so far. The case was filed in early 2021. It was granted a motion to dismiss by the federal government, and it was refiled on appeal to the 10th Circuit Court. In August 2022, they realized that they did not have to wait for a decision from the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. Supreme Court Rule 11 allowed them to bypass the Tenth Circuit and go straight to the Supreme Court. She says, for more about Rule 11, look here, and she has a link to Cornell Law School explaining it, but it's right here in the article. She says, what is Rule 11? Here's the quote. A petition for a writ of certiorari to review a case pending in a United States Court of Appeals before judgment is entered in that court will be granted only upon a showing that the case is of such imperative public importance as to justify deviation from normal appellate practice and to require immediate determination in this court, unquote. Hmm. This case qualifies as imperative public importance to deviate from normal appellate practice and requires immediate determination? Well, here's where it gets interesting. At this point, Supreme Court, or the abbreviation SCOTUS, will usually dismiss back to the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals, waiting a decision from them, essentially kicking the can down the road. But that did not happen this time. The appeals court is where most cases like this die out and get dismissed again. What is outlined below is reported by the Brunson family on their website for this court case. Now, keep in mind, Rayland Brunson is acting pro se. He does not 
have an attorney representing him. This is remarkable. This is amazing. How do you get on the Supreme Court docket representing yourself? Never heard anything like this before. Okay, so here's the timeline. September 23rd, 2022, the petition for writ of certiorari is received. September 28th, 2022, Rayland Brunson received a phone call from SCOTUS. The clerk of the Supreme Court calls Rayland Brunson requesting for a revision of the petition that would include more information on the lawsuit and wondering how soon they could get it. October 17th, 2022, Rayland gets a second phone call from SCOTUS clerk. That's 19 days later. She asks, how are you doing on your revision of the writ with the additional information that we need? Rayland said, we're working on it as we speak. She said, how soon can we get it? Rayland said right away, October 20th, 2022, three days later, the revised petition is shipped to the Supreme Court of the United States. October 24th, 2022, petition is docketed. The clerk of the court tells Rayland that they have everything they need. The U.S. attorneys have until November 23rd, 2022, to respond, showing why the Supreme Court of the United States should not move on this case. I hope you're sitting down, by the way. This means that SCOTUS agreed that this case met the Rule 11 criteria or it would not be docketed. It would have been denied and punted back to Circuit 10 Appeals Court to await a decision. So guess what happened on November 23rd? Are you sitting down? Please grab a hold of something. So guess what happened on November 23rd? The United States did not respond. Instead, this happened. November 23rd, 2022. The Solicitor General of the United States Department of Justice replaces the U.S. attorneys. Elizabeth B. Preloger, yes, I did look up how to say her last name, the Solicitor General of the United States, the official attorney on record for the defendants, and on behalf of the 388 defendants, waived their right to respond to this lawsuit, thus allowing the Supreme Court of the United States to move forward. What does that decision mean? Well, that means that the United States decided that Supreme Court justices can hear this case at any time in conference. And if four of the nine justices or greater vote yes, it will be moved on to a hearing, or they can decide themselves to rule on the case if they choose. The waived right to respond essentially puts all control in the hands of the nine Supreme Court justices. If you want to follow along, the Brunson brothers have a page dedicated to this SCOTUS adventure over at RaylandBrunson.com. This is remarkable. So, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this case. We start here. When we said it was Brunson versus Adams et al., who are the et al. in this case? Well, we're looking at 385 named people and 100-plus John and or Jane Doe's. The 385 named people, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., Kamala Harris, Michael Richard Pence, and 382 other sitting 
members of Congress, either in the House or the Senate. Each of them are listed in the above docket. Have a gander to see if your state representative or your U.S. senator is listed. Now, why was this court case filed? And this is where it gets really interesting. The allegation is this. For breaking their oath of office by voting against the proposition that came from members of Congress to investigate the claims that there were enemies of the Constitution who successfully rigged the election. Now, of course, this is in reference to the 2020 election. When the case came before Congress to investigate the allegation of fraud put forward by 100 members of Congress, the other 380-plus members voted no. The Senate did nothing to stop the certification without the 10-day investigation period either. So, what is the oath of office that they broke? Here it is. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So what is the question at hand? Here it is. How can you support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic? Answer, you investigate. If there are claims that there is a threat, even if you don't believe there is a threat, it's your duty to investigate. How else can you determine whether there is a threat unless you investigate? Were there claims of a threat to the Constitution? Yes. Where did these serious claims come from? From 100 members of Congress. What was the threat? The threat was that there were enemies of the Constitution who successfully manipulated the 2020 election. Is this lawsuit about a rigged election? No. It's about the members of Congress who voted against the investigation, thereby thwarting the investigation. Was this a clear violation of their oath? Yes. So let's back up just a little bit and remember what day this was. We're talking about January 6, 2021. Everyone knows that day. There were 100 members of Congress set to request a 10-day investigation into possible election fraud. A few members spoke on the House floor, and then January 6th happened. When the Congress reconvened late that night, they voted down the investigation into fraud that was introduced. They stated that no further election fraud concerns would be heard, quote, in light of the day's events, unquote. They were pushing through to certify the election, and that is what they did. Now, what remedy are the Brunsons seeking in their parallel lawsuits? What is the remedy they want? They're asking that all 385 defendants be charged with treason for failure to uphold the U.S. Constitution. They're asking that they be incarcerated for a period of no less than five years, be fined no less than $10,000, that they be removed from their government seat, and be banned from ever holding a political position ever again. Again, we have never in history seen a case such as this. There is no precedent of this magnitude. What will SCOTUS do with this? Who knows? I am following along purely from the what in the world, Batman, that this case is, that it made it to the docket, of the Supreme Court of the United States, and what they will decide to do with this. Will it go to hearing? Will they have enough votes to go to hearing? Will they decide on a Rule 11 emergency quick decision? So 
many questions. It is watching history unfold from a precedent factor in and of itself we have never seen. Someone acting pro se, be granted a Rule 11, file a lawsuit against nearly 400 sitting members of the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate, much less the President, Vice President, former Vice President, and others not named. Stay tuned. Whew. So that is the great Jennifer Brown at docbrown77.substack.com, article entitled, Interesting SCOTUS Case Hit the Docket, Brunson versus Adams at all. We have never seen anything like this before. And you know what? I think not only is it my duty to report this to you, I think it is my duty to share the actual highlights from this 18-page filing from Rayland Brunson, because perhaps you're like me. Perhaps when you hear the article that I just read saying, this case is not one of election fraud, it is about Congress and the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate not doing their oath of office and violating the First Amendment to the Constitution, Article 6 of the Constitution, 14th Amendment, Section 3, the Fifth and the Ninth Amendment of the Constitution, as well as a couple of you know, Utah State Constitutional Articles, perhaps you're going, okay, wait a minute, how, how, how were they violating all these? So, I believe it's my duty to share with you what this um, relatively short filing that has been accepted on the Supreme Court docket explains about how they were violating these amendments and or articles. Because have I read the Constitution before? Well, of course I read the Constitution before. But I, did I know right off the bat, okay, wait a minute, how were they violating this? But No, I, I needed to go read and, and, you know, thankfully, fortunately, mercifully, she included the PDF from this 18-page petition for a writ of certiorari that was accepted, accepted onto the U.S. Supreme Court docket. It's just one of the most unusual things I think I've ever heard. So I'm going to explain to you what a writ of certiorari is and I'm going to uh, share with you what this uh, filing says so we can try to make some sense out of it together. I mean, there are a lot of things I want to get to today. I want to get to Fauci still lying. I want to get to the Chinese protests and everything. But uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> this this kind of takes precedence over everything right now. It really, really does. So, look, let me uh, take a moment to say thank you again to our advertisers for making it possible for us to do what we do here, day in and day out, now into our second year of the Doc Washburn Show, including my good buddy, Mitch Ward, over at Red River Your Way. If you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live, that's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online. They'll drive it to you no matter where you are in the continental United States. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way. If you have any questions, Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options. 
Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences. And all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door. No matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com, you will be glad you did. All right, I want to tell you about America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. It's called Patriot Mobile. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veterans and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. All you have to do is just go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Now, make sure you use the promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, my name, for free activation. Now, Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, also now offers competitive business plans to suit companies of any size. So if you're a conservative-owned business, tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars, go to corporate woke agendas, switch to Patriot Mobile Business. Learn more at business.patriotmobile.com or call their 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. That's 469-FREEDOM. Use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com or just call them at 469-FREEDOM. Big thank you to Glenn Story and the whole crew at Patriot Mobile for helping make it possible for us to keep on doing the Doc Washburn Show, day in and day out, now into our second year. Okay, what is a writ of certiorari? It is a common law writ issued by a superior court to a court of inferior jurisdiction demanding the record of a particular case. In other words, it's like the Supreme Court telling a court of appeals Chop, chop. Let's get with it. Come on. We need something. So that's what it is. So let's take a look at this actual 18-page filing. It was not only accepted by the U.S. Supreme Court, but according to the Brunsons, the Supreme Court kept on calling saying, hey, did you, uh, did you add the stuff we wanted you to add? How quickly can you get it to us? And, and, and this guy's doing it himself. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, in the Supreme Court of the United States, Rayland J. Brunson, petitioner, versus Alma S. Adams et al., respondents. Now, Alma Adams is one of the members of the U.S. House of Representatives that voted against an investigation to see whether there was any fraud in the 2020 election. Alma Adams represents the 12th district 
of North Carolina. That used to be one of those, um, they called it the I-85 district because it was strung out all across the state. Now it's basically just uh, a lot of Mecklenburg County, which is the county that Charlotte is in. But anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. She's just first on the respondents because I guess it's kind of done alphabetically. Anyway, on petition for writ of certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit, um, and it has the um, name, address, and phone number of the petitioner, Raylan J. Brunson in Utah. It has the date that uh, the Office of the Clerk, U.S. Supreme Court, Received it October 24th, 2022. It says, questions presented. A serious conflict exists between decisions rendered from this court and lower appeal courts along with constitutional provisions and statutes in deciding whether or not the trial court has jurisdiction to try the merits of this case. This case uncovers a serious national security breach that is unique and is of first impression. In other words, y'all ain't never seen anything like this before. This is a first impression. And sometimes the uh, Supreme Court likes first impressions. You know, they, they like to make their mark on stuff. I mean, look, when you think about it, the U.S. Supreme Court has been around for over 230 years. And so the idea that you're getting a first impression? Really? Anyway, I digress. This case uncovers a serious national security breach that is unique and is a first impression. And due to the serious nature of this case, it involves the possible removal of of a sitting president and vice president of the United States along with members of the United States Congress while deeming them unfit from ever holding office under federal, state, county, or local governments found within the United States of America and at the same time, the trial court also has the authority to be validated by this court, to authorize the swearing-in of the legal and rightful heirs for president and vice president of the United States. In addition, there are two doctrines that conflict with each other found in this case affecting every court in this country. These doctrines are known as the doctrine of equitable maxim and the doctrine of the object principle of justice. Now, equitable maxim created by this court, which the lower court used to dismiss this case, sets in direct violation of the object principle of justice, also partially created by this court and supported by other appeals courts and constitutional provisions. He says these conflicts call for the supervisory power of this court, U.S. Supreme Court, to resolve these conflicts, which has not, but should be settled by this court without delay. Okay, parties to the proceeding. Petitioner Rayland J. Brunson is an individual representing himself and is a plaintiff in the trial court. The following 388 respondents are a party to this action as defendants in the trial court. Named persons in their capacities as United States House representatives, and boy, he's got a lot of them. Now, since I'm in the state of Arkansas, I looked, and three of the four U.S. representatives in Arkansas are named. Bruce Westerman, French Hill, Steve Womack. Now, why is Rick Crawford not named? Well, Rick Crawford is one of the people in the U.S. House who wanted to stop 
and take the 10 days to investigate the allegations of fraud. So he actually voted to object to some of the delegates. But he was the only person sent by the state of Arkansas to Congress who did object. So the other three U.S. representatives, and for that matter, the two U.S. senators, John Bozeman and Tom Cotton, are in the lawsuit. Now, I noticed Ted Cruz is not in the lawsuit. Well, he was one of a handful of senators who said, hey, 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 hey. Can we take 10 days to send this back to the some of the state legislatures and let them investigate these allegations of fraud? So anyway, you got all these members of Congress. You got uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. in his capacity of President of the United States, Michael Richard Pence in his capacity as former Vice President of the United States, and Kamala Harris in her capacity as Vice President of the United States, and John and Jane Doe's 1 through 100. And so jurisdiction is found under 28 U.S. Code 1257. Final judgments rendered by the highest court of a state may be reviewed by the Supreme Court by writ of certiorari, where any right or privilege is specially set up or claimed under the statutes of the United States. Okay, Supreme Court Rule 14F provisions. We're already halfway through the, more than halfway through this thing. Okay, here we go. Amendment, Amendment 1 of the Constitution of the United States, in case you were wondering earlier when we referred to it. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting dot, 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 the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Aha! Aha! So when the overwhelming majority of members of the U.S. House and U.S. Senate voted not to investigate allegations of fraud in the 2020 presidential election, they were violating the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. They were prohibiting the right of the people to petition the government for redress of grievances. Open and shut. Article 6 of the Constitution. This Constitution, the laws of the United States, which shall be made pursuant thereof, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. And yet they act as if they aren't. Fourteenth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States says, Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without the process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Section 3. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state, to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, but Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. Okay? All right? See, what? The, here's the real deal. Here's the real insurrection. The liberals in the mainstream media, but I repeat myself, are calling... The group of people that were welcomed into the U.S. Capitol building on January 6, 2021 by police officers holding open the doors, insurrectionists. But the real insurrection, the real rebellion against the Constitution of the United States was all these people who voted that evening not to allow American citizens, to petition the government for redress of grievances. It's in 
the First Amendment. All right, Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Well, we were definitely deprived of liberty. They refused to allow an investigation into whether or not there was fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Ninth Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. So when Mike Pence and crew are like, well, we don't have any choice. We just got to go ahead and certify this because the Constitution says, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Well, what's the rest of the Constitution say, Michael? You know, the part that you uh, ignored. Then they quote Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution of Utah. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, just like the U.S. Constitution. Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution of Utah. All courts shall be open, which shall be administered without denial or unnecessary delay, and no person shall be barred from prosecuting or defending before any tribunal in this state by himself or counsel any civil cause to which he is a party. Okay, so then we're already on page 12 of an 18-page filing statement of the case. This action is against 388 federal officers in their official capacities, which include President Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., Vice President Kamala Harris, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, and former Vice President Michael Richard Pence, respondents. All the respondents have taken the required oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and as such, they are liable for consequences when they violate the oath of office. Respondents were properly warned and were requested to make an investigation into a highly covert, swift, and powerful enemy. As stated below, seeking to destroy the Constitution and the United States. Respondents purposely thwarted all efforts to investigate this, whereupon this enemy was not checked or investigated, therefore the respondents adhered to this enemy. Because of respondents' intentional refusal to investigate this enemy, Petitioner Rayland J. Brunson brought this action against respondents because he was seriously, personally damaged and violated by this action of respondents and consequently this action unilaterally violated the rights of every citizen of the USA and perhaps the rights of every person living and all courts of law. On January 6, 2021, the 117th Congress held a proceeding and debate in Washington, D.C. This proceeding was for the purpose of counting votes under the 2020 presidential election for the President and Vice President of the United States under Amendment 12. During this proceeding, over 100 members of U.S. Congress claimed factual evidence that the said election was rigged. The refusal of the respondents to investigate this congressional claim, the enemy, is an act of treason and fraud by respondents. A successfully rigged election has the same end result as an act of war. To place into power whom the victor wants, which in this case is Biden, who if not stopped immediately, will continue to destroy the fundamental freedoms of Brunson and all U.S. citizens and courts of law due to the fact that this case represents a national security breach on an unprecedented level like never before seen, seriously damaging and violating Brunson and coincidentally affecting every citizen of the USA and courts of law. Therefore, Brunson moves this court to grant this petition or in the alternative, 
Without continuing further, order the trial court to grant Brunson's complaint in its fullest. Brunson's complaint is the mechanism that can immediately remove the respondents from office without leaving this country vulnerable without a president and vice president. Despite the grave importance of this case, the trial court granted respondents' motion to dismiss by stating it is ordered and adjudged that plaintiff Rayland Brunson's action is dismissed without prejudice. This order followed the trial court's order to adopt its report and recommendation that Brunson did not get until close to the beginning of October 2022, thus prejudicing Brunson from timely filing any objections, and the order did not properly address Brunson's opposition to the motion. Brunson's opposition clearly shows that Brunson has standing. Per Brunson's opening brief, and as outlined in Brunson's said opposition, both not properly addressed by the lower courts, Brunson has standing and the trial court has full proper jurisdiction to rule on the merits of this case based upon the following factors. And I'm going to give you those factors here in just a moment. But first, thank you again to our advertisers, including the folks who have the best-kept secret in American health care. Arkansas Cervical Center. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it is designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away. Never came back. The migraines went away. Never came back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, blood sugar issues, psoriasis, migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation. They've helped me, helped my wife, they've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation it's 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You, and I sure hope you can. And thank you once again to our friends, our doctors, our advertisers, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree, turnmypoweron.com. All right, now. Let's pick up where we left off. Okay, here it is. Per Brunson's opening brief, and as outlined in Brunson's said opposition, both not properly addressed by the lower courts, Brunson has standing, and the trial court has full proper jurisdiction to rule on the merits of this case based upon the following factors. A. The case of American Bush versus City of South Salt Lake, 2006, clearly states that the Constitution of the United States, along with state constitutions, do not grant rights to the people. These instruments measure the power of the rulers, but they do not measure the rights of the governed, and they are not the fountain of law nor the origin of the people's rights but they have been put in place to protect their rights. Therefore, the statutes and case law cited by respondents claiming immunity from Brunson's claims in, the, in this instance are unconstitutional 
and the court needs to rule in that manner. B, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Therefore, the purpose of the Constitution was written to protect our self-evident rights. The Constitution cannot be construed by any means, by any legislative, judicial, and executive bodies, by any court of law, to deny or disparage our rights. This is the supreme law of the land. This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made pursuant thereof, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution. C. The First Amendment of the Constitution states that Congress shall make no law prohibiting the right of the people to petition the government for a redress of grievances. D. Our courts have consistently held that fraud vitiates whatever it touches. Morris versus House, Texas, 1870. Estate of Stone Cipher versus Estate of Butts. And, quote, It is a stern but just maxim of laws that fraud vitiates everything into which it enters, unquote. Veterans Service Club versus Sweeney, Kentucky, 1952. Also, Radio Shack Corporation versus ComSmart, Incorporated. Now, what does vitiate mean? It means to impair or make void, to destroy or annul, either completely or partially, the force and effect of an act or instrument. The definition is right out of West's Encyclopedia of American Law. E. Due to the uniqueness of this case, the trial court does have proper authority to remove the respondents from their offices under 18 U.S. Code 2381, which states, whoever owing allegiance to the United States levies war against them or adheres to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort within the United States or elsewhere, is guilty of treason and shall suffer death or shall be imprisoned not less than five years and fined under this title but not less than $10,000 and shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. A court adjudicating that the respondents who have taken the oath of office to be incapable of holding their offices or who have adhered to a domestic enemy means nothing without such removal of office. Under the stated factors, Brunson has an unfettered right to sue the respondents under the serious nature of his claim. No legislation can measure Brunson's right to sue the respondents. Furthermore, Brunson's allegations against respondents adhering to a domestic enemy and committing acts of fraud are not protected by any kind of legislation of jurisdictional immunity. Essentially, acts of Congress cannot protect fraud nor protect the violation of the oath or that give aid and comfort to enemies of the United States Constitution or America as alleged in Brunson's complaint against the respondents. There are facts that cannot be overcome. Therefore, Brunson found no need to include in this petition a copy of respondents' opposition to Brunson's opening brief or any of their arguments. Nevertheless, Brunson's opening brief does touch upon respondents' immunity arguments and shows how respondents do not, nor can they, overcome Brunson's arguments as stated herein. It is an uncontestable fact that the respondents committed fraud and treason, breaching our national security, as factually alleged in Brunson's complaint thus adhering to a domestic enemy that continues to breach our national security at an alarming rate on a daily basis. This national security breach is having the same end result 
as an act of war to place into power whom the respondents want, which is Biden. Brunson moves this court with its powers to order the trial court of this case to immediately grant to Brunson the damages he seeks in his complaint. This is necessary to immediately secure our national security without any further delay. Turning now to the doctrine of equitable maxim created by this court, this doctrine stands in direct conflict of the doctrine of the object principle of justice. The doctrine of the object principle of justice is couched by the supreme law of the land and sets in motion to provide our court system to be the most just, limited, highly effective, and easy to understand and infuses our court system to be the most highly respected and dearly admired court system greater than the world has ever seen. The doctrine of equitable maxim kills this, and had the trial court been guided by the object principle of justice, this appeal would not be necessary. In addition, the doctrine of the object principle of justice stops the precarious nature of our courts. Their jobs would be much easier with less stress, and parties in court would have a strong sense on how the court is going to rule, thus promoting settlements to high degree, and as such, lawsuits and appeals would be greatly reduced. This is an absolute fact. Jurisprudence requires this court to revoke the doctrine of equitable maxim that it created and to instill the doctrine of the object principle of justice more thoroughly throughout the entire court system in America. The doctrines of equitable maxim and the object principle of justice are fully explained in a petition before this court under docket number 18-1147. To avoid being repetitious, Brunson herein incorporates the argument found therein, as though fully stated herein, and moves this court to address the question either under this petition or docket number 18-1147. Not much longer. We're about done. Reasons for granting this petition. Brunson's complaint alleges fraud, violations of the oath of office, and touches on acts of treason committed by the respondents. These serious offenses need to be addressed immediately with the least amount of technical nuances of the law and legal procedures because these offenses are flowing continually against Brunson's liberties and life, and consequently are a continual national security breach. Voting is the greatest power an individual can exercise in a republic. It is Brunson's personal voice and the way he can protect his personal constitutional protected rights and the U.S. Constitution. See number 71 of the complaint. When the allegations of a rigged election came forward, the respondents had a duty under law to investigate it or be removed from office. An honest and fair election can only be supported by legal votes. This is sacred. It is the basis of our U.S. Republican form of government, protected by the U.S. Constitution. The efforts made, as stated in the complaint, that avoided an investigation of how Biden won the election is an act of treason and an act of levying war against the U.S. Constitution, which violated Brunson's unfettered right to vote in an honest and fair election, and as such, it wrongfully invalidated his vote. As a national security interest, Brunson moves this court to be swift by going beyond granting this petition It should order the lower court to grant Brunson's complaint to avoid any further delay. Conclusion. This petition is set forth in the interest of justice and protecting Brunson's right to petition for a redress of grievances 
against the respondents and ensuring his right of due process against the encroachment of the doctrine of equitable maxim and charging the respondents who failed to investigate the allegations of a rigged election by having them removed from office without further delay. Dated October 13, 2022, respectfully submitted Rayland J. Brunson, and there his, his address and phone number again, petitioner in pro se. This is one of the most remarkable things I think I've ever read in my life. Ever since the stolen election of November 2020, I've had people saying, well, any time now, uh, they're going to haul uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris out of there, and they're going to replace them and put uh, Donald J. Trump back where he belongs. And I would say, well, I'm sorry, but can you show me something in the Constitution which uh, would make it possible for that to happen? Because I just I haven't seen it. I, I don't know. Well, it just goes to show. I didn't know what I was talking about. Now, the question is, will the U.S. Supreme Court rule correctly in this? Because this Brunson guy makes the case. It is open and shut, as far as I'm concerned. Again, I'm no legal expert, no genius, but I can read and I can think about what I'm reading, and it all certainly makes sense to me. The question is, what will the U.S. Supreme Court do? And the question is also, even if they do rule in favor of Brunson, how would their ruling be enforced. Let me think about it. Think about it. Think about it. He's calling for the removal of Biden and Harris and the overwhelming majority of people in the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House, including all the Democrats and most of the Republicans. But I, I find it remarkable that the Brunsons report that the U.S. Supreme Court kept on calling them, saying, hey, have you made the changes you need to make in this thing? When, when, how soon can you get it to us? You know? That's, uh, that's a big deal. And I'm going to be following this one closely. And I would invite you to invite your friends to listen to this episode of the Doc Washburn Show. I try to lay it out as clearly as I can. Just remarkable. Wonders never cease. Pray for Rayland Brunson that he and we get justice. All right? Well, it's about that time. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. Believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. So today's tweet of the day is kind of a kind of a feel-good story of the day. Tweeted out by Fox News, Chicago woman with concealed carry license foils attempted carjacking by shooting man in the head. Yeah, kind of your, uh, your feel-good story of the day. A 23-year-old woman with a concealed carry permit, defended herself against four armed men who attempted to carjack her last week on the south side of Chicago. The woman, who remains unidentified, was sitting in her car in the Calumet Heights neighborhood just after 2 a.m. on Wednesday. We, we, we don't recommend that. Near 89th Street and Kenwood Avenue, 
when four men spilled out of a black sedan, according to a local CBS affiliate. When one of the men attempted to open her car door while holding a gun, the woman shot the would-be carjacker in the head before running away from the car. One of the other men reportedly shot her in the left arm, and she was later taken to Advocate Trinity Hospital in fair condition. The man who she shot in the head was reportedly taken to University of Chicago Medical Center in critical condition, though the woman's other three attackers escaped from the scene. The Chicago Police Department did not immediately respond to Fox News Digital's request for comment. Crime has spiked in the Windy City in the last year, with homicides reaching an all-time high in the quarter century in 2021. Robbery reports have surged 15% in 2022, according to Chicago police records. Holdups have gone up 11% since 2020 and 2019, though they decreased 10% compared to 2018. In just one hour, seven carjackings were reported on Chicago's west side on Friday morning, police confirmed to Fox News Digital. The victims were held at gunpoint, and some of the alleged carjackings, which took place on several streets. Earlier this month, a concealed carry holder interrupted an attempted robbery in an altercation that left both the suspect and a grocery store clerk dead. Well, that's not a feel-good story. It'd be okay if the suspect was dead, not the grocery store clerk. 24-year-old Nicholas Williams attempted to rob El Baraka Supermarket on 73rd Street on the South Shore at about 6.20 p.m., according to a report from Fox Station WFLD in Chicago. Man, oh, man. But the feel-good story of the day, Chicago woman with concealed carry license foils attempted carjacking by shooting man in the head. Thank you once again, Mitch Ward and Red River Your Way, for sponsoring the tweet of the day on the Doc Washburn Show. All right, you've been listening to episode 291 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but we, they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a Terribly Messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. That's the way it is. Monday, November 28th, 2022.